Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. Morning and welcome to Thursday's Money Talk on Radio 3. It's 8.03 on the 15th of September. This is Peter Lewis with the business and finance headlines live from Hong Kong. President Xi Jinping yesterday began his three-day trip to Central Asia, his first trip abroad in almost 1,000 days. He travelled to Kazakhstan and has now arrived in Uzbekistan to attend the meeting of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization in the Uzbek city of Samarkand. He will also likely meet Russian President Vladimir Putin later today. Inflation remained in the spotlight on Wednesday as new data from the US showed prices paid to producers for goods and services decreased in August thanks to lower petrol costs. The US producer price index, which tracks the prices that businesses receive for their goods and services, declined 0.1% in August from a month earlier in line with analyst forecasts. On an annualised basis, producer prices rose 8.7% in August, down from the 9.8% increase reported in July and lower than economists' expectations of an 8.8% rise. The US Bureau of Labour Statistics said lower petrol prices drove more than three quarters of the decline in August. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said Wednesday that the EU will launch a deep and comprehensive reform of the electricity market to break the dominant influence of the price of gas on electricity costs. She told MEPs that the design of energy markets was not fit for purpose and that it needed to be redesigned so consumers could better reap the benefits of low-cost renewables. She also outlined plans to raise an estimated 140 billion euros from a windfall tax on the excess revenues of oil, gas and coal companies. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by wealth investment strategist Enzio von Fahl and Louisa Fock from the Bank of Singapore, discussing the impact of rising interest rates on the property market in Hong Kong, is Shi Wing Ching, founder and chief executive at Centerline Group. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. US stocks stabilised Wednesday following the worst sell-off since June 2020 during the previous session after consumer price inflation came in hotter than expected. The S&P 500 added a third of a percent to close at 3,946 after losing 4.3% the prior day. The Dow edged up 30 points to 31,135 after being down more than 200 points at the session lows. The previous day, it tumbled more than 1,200 points. The Nasdaq rose 0.7% to 11,720 following a 5.2% plunge on Tuesday. The Pan-European Stock 600 Index fell 0.9%. The UK's FTSE 100 that dropped 1.5%. And here in Hong Kong, the Hang Seng tumbled 480 points, or 2.5%, to 18,847. The tech index slumped 2.8%. Hong Kong exchanges and clearing fell 2.7% to its lowest level since June 2020. Local clothing retailer Giordano International sank 8.7% after local billionaire Henry Cheng failed to win enough votes from shareholders to take control of the company. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite dropped 0.8% to 3,238. 
In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil settled 1% higher at $94.10 a barrel. U.S. natural gas futures jumped 10% higher, and that's the 11th day this year in which natural gas futures have risen or fallen by at least 10%. That's the most since 2001. Gold is trading at $1,697 an ounce. U.S. government bonds continue to fall in price, sending yields higher. The two-year yield topped 3.8% Wednesday. That's the highest since November 2007. The 10-year yield touched 3.48% earlier Wednesday, just a shade below this year's high, before slipping back to 3.4%, leaving the yield curve at its most inverted since the year 2000. The US dollar index slipped a third of a percent overnight, but it's close uh, to a two-decade high. The euro is trading at parity with the US dollar this morning. The Japanese yen slid towards the key 145 level, reaching a 24-year low before pulling back. After Japan's finance minister warned he wouldn't rule out any response if weakness in the currency continued. This morning, the yen is at 142.89. Sterling is worth $1.15 and a half cents and nine Hong Kong dollars and six cents. And the PBOC cut the yuan central parity rate by 188 pips to 6.9116 versus the US dollar. That's the biggest uh, cut in three weeks, ending a three-day positive streak. And it was also the strongest bias on record versus the average estimate of analysts. Offshore yuan this morning is at 6.97 versus the dollar. And Bitcoin has rebounded slightly to $20,200. Around Asia-Pacific stock markets this morning, the ASX 200 in Australia is up about a quarter of a percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is up about 0.1%. The Cosby in South Korea also rising. That's made a gain of about 0.2%. But it looks like a flat open for the Hang Seng at the, uh, later on this morning. Times 809. Let's welcome our regular Thursday morning commentator, wealth investment strategist, Enzio von Fahl. Morning to you, Enzio. Morning to you, Peter. And joining him this morning, we have Louisa Fock, who is China equity strategist at the Bank of Singapore. Morning to you, Louisa. Morning, Peter. Uh, inflation remained in the spotlight yesterday as new data from the US showed prices paid to producers for goods and services decreased in August thanks to lower petrol costs. The U.S. producer price index, which tracks the prices that businesses receive for their goods and services, declined 0.1% in August, in line with analysts' forecasts. On an annualized basis, producer prices rose 8.7% in August. And that is down from the 9.8% increase reported in July and also lower than economists' expectations. And the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics said lower petrol prices drove more than three-quarters of that decline. If you exclude volatile food and energy, core PPI was up 7.3% from a year ago. That is down, though, from a 7.7% rise in July. And just a reminder, as reported yesterday, the consumer price index rose 0.1% month on month, um, but it rose 
uh, 8.3% year on year. Um, Enzio, do you want to kick off? Very confusing picture, isn't it, about what's going on um, with inflation. Markets were obviously expecting to see some signs of uh, inflation peaking. Doesn't seem to be what we're seeing, though, does it? Well, what I find really kind of silly is that here's a, a 20 basis point difference between the market expecting a, a, a 0.1% fall and in inflation and the actual rise of 0.1%. I mean, that just borders on being silly and fickle. If the market's going to get all worked up about this, the S&P dropping 3.5% during it in the morning trade on Tuesday, the government bond yield up by 7.4% up to 3.78% in the yield. Um, that just telling, is just telling me, and we'll get on, on to Kubler-Ross's theory of depression later on, I hope, um, that the markets are just going a little bit silly and scatty and yep. desperately clutching at straws, not even looking at fundamentals anymore. Can I suggest what they are looking at at the moment, though, is Please. the Fed Fund futures markets. What's happened Good. there is that there was um, they were pricing in a zero chance of a 100 basis point rate hike before this data. Right. Now they're pricing in a 24% chance of a 100 basis point rate hike and almost uh, more than a 50% chance now that we're going to see 75 basis points in November and December, whereas before they were sort of suggesting that the, the pace of rate hikes would slow. Seems to me that may be what uh, market participants Yeah, that, um, this time I should have on. said no FT, no comment, because so, I worked <laughs> off the FT. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think um, there are signs that inflation is peaking? Do you see anything anywhere in this data that suggests that, you know, the worst is over? Louisa, do you want to take over? Um, I, I think we have discussed this quite uh, some times again. I think uh, <laughs> the whole inflation scenario, uh, what is different versus previous uh, inflation cycle is that it's really supply side driven. And this time around, um, I think the set of data um, was helped by lower energy prices. Uh, however, if you look at the labor market remains tight. And this is the case not just for the US, but also for the UK as well. And also like the services uh, supply chain, uh, there's also uh, some pricing pressure as well. So looking ahead, maybe for instance, in the UK, with the energy cap that has been announced by the new prime minister that may help. But I think um, it is likely that it will stay at a relatively elevated level uh, before gradually edging down. Certainly on the, um, I fully agree with Louisa, certainly on the oil front because the EU embargo on Russian sales comes into full effect later this year. Oops, that's mm. the FT again. Maybe they're wrong again. Mm. Um, they seem to have dropped their uh, plan for a price cap, though, don't they? Um, that seems to have disappeared from Ursula von der Leyen's State of the Union address. Well, they'll just circumvent anyway and they'll arbitrage it out. You're an old trader, you know that. Yep. I, I presume what the Fed is concerned about here is we, we all know this is supply side driven. The Fed knows it as well, don't they? But presumably what they are worried about is inflation expectations getting embedded in the system, which is why they're yes. raising rates, despite the fact that they know it's not going to bring the price of oil and gas and, and food Cannot down. Bring, yeah. But is that, uh, is that a justifiable worry? I mean, is, is inflation, are inflation expectations now becoming embedded in consumers' minds? And that could just lead to a wage and price spiral. 
I think you already see it in the consumer shopping behavior, I believe, um, that, they, that the inflation is eating into the, the household budget so much that they just can spend less on big-ticket items, for instance. I, I, I stand to be correct, but that's perhaps, again, from the FT, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think governments maybe then in the U.S., in Europe, should be more, rather than just leaving this to the Fed, they should be more interventionist, maybe like the way China is. I mean, China does interfere, doesn't it, in its energy markets and commodities markets regularly. Um, should, should Europe and the US do the same to try and uh, put a cap on these surging prices? Um, I think uh, government are putting in some kind of physical control. I think the other leading indicator to watch out for will be the commodities prices. Uh, for mm. instance, like the commodity price index, uh, on year-on-year basis is still up significantly, but month-on-month month is kind of edging modestly up. And I think um, this actually, uh, you, historically, is uh, actually tracks pretty well. Uh, with the overall CPI uh, line. So I think whether the food prices that we talked about, um, it's, uh, again, watch out for the commodities um, mm. index, for instance, like for coin, uh, for uh, weed and, and so on yes. and so forth. Yeah. Again, it always depends on, on the structural side, as we've been discussing, because I mean, we all kind of guess that the weather is playing a little bit of havoc with food prices. Oil prices remain politicized. On the labor side, I just want to always point out my old chestnut that it's a lot of young people not wanting to work. So you've got that, and then a lot of young people being miseducated. The supply of education is going straight past the demand for education mm -hmm. by the employers. And so there you have another structural reason for labor shortage, labor market tightness. It's not the usual too much money chasing too few goods. Now, Louisa, in, in, on the mainland, Chinese inflation is moderating, isn't it? Unlike elsewhere, consumer prices rose 2.5% last month. That's down from 2.7% in July. The producer price index increased 2.3%, but it was 4.2% in July. They seem to be uh, in control of the situation there. Um, yes, if you look at it this way, I think, uh, first of all, uh, oil prices is not a direct pass-through. Uh, the state-owned major energy company, they will absorb certain um, oil prices increase if it's a rise uh, beyond certain level. And the other thing is, if you look at China CPI, in terms of food, what, a major category will be hot price or, or pork prices. And mm. this is, again, uh, the government has been uh, heavily um, subsidized I'll put it this way, uh, they have introduced a lot of measures trying to make sure there will be sufficient supply. So to a certain extent, this has been um, um, mainly under control. And I think this uh, sub relatively subdued CPI and also PPI is coming down as well, mm. uh, is going to give China a little bit more leeway in terms of the monetary policy. And I think uh, the, the state-owned banks also announced that some of the uh, deposit rates it's, uh, it's being cut, and I think to a certain extent it also supports the banks in a sense that uh, they will help them with the uh, relatively less competitive lower funding cost. I presume, though, that the PBOC is in a bit of a bind, isn't it? As, as you mentioned, they, they've got more room maybe to lower raise rates, but they don't get dare go too far in case they see an even bigger decline in, in the yuan, given the huge interest rate differential between China and the U.S. Absolutely. that you, You're spot on there that the yuan actually, it's that 8.7% drop of the yuan against the dollar this year so far to 6.96. That's mm. going to, I think at least give us some form of imported inflation 
um, if this continues, because as you say, they are in a bind because it's a tightrope for the for the mainland because they've got that 16th party congress, or that party the party congress coming up on the 16th of October, excuse me, and then they of course also have a very weak economy um, which has no fangs anymore in my mind because of the COVID policy, and the result of that is that if they tighten monetarily to save the renminbi, well then it's really sort of going to be very very messy. So my guess is a further slide on the renminbi that means more imported inflation currency plus COVID equals economic death for China. I'm just very, very bearish on the place for now. Do, do you think then if the yuan really uh, the, the decline picks up speed in the way that we're seeing, mm. for example, with the Japanese yen, with the mm. Korean won, which are yes. multi-year Race lows, the bottom, yeah. will they abandon the peg to the US dollar? The, the sort of the unofficial peg anyway. Yeah, the good, <laughs> like your qualification, Peter. Um, I think that they will um, certainly just go back to the drawing board and say, oh, then let it rip a little bit um, mm -hmm. and just have to then feed, just have to then chew through that imported inflation cycle, I'm afraid. Yes. Now, Louisa, we've got uh, a lot of data coming out tomorrow for August. Retail sales, industrial production, fixed asset investment, unemployment data. Um, what are you expecting? What should we be looking out for in this uh, data release tomorrow? Um, I, I think the market overall is still expecting uh, a very subdued economic activity in light of the uh, COVID resurgence. We've seen this in various parts in China and cities and provinces in China. Second, uh, secondary, um, there's also power shortages uh, appear, though the situation uh, is a lot better than what it used to be in last year, if, if we all remember. Uh, and thirdly, um, there's, there's still uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, regulatory uh, tightening, even though we are heading towards the normalization. But I think a majority or, or the market will be watch out for is after the 20th Party Congress next month, uh, would there be a chance of some fine tuning in terms of the uh, dynamic COVID zero policy? Because this is one of the uh, uh, major uh, uh, issues that is hinges on economic activities to pick up. And uh, Premier Li Keqiang was talking about mm. uh, trying to boost consumption. Do you think we'll see any sign of that in this data that consumption has been boosted? Um, I think if you look at consumptions, uh, it has been picking up off uh, every now and then. We do see consumption pick up quite substantially, especially for some of the stimulus sector. Uh, one of the examples will be autos. Uh, earlier this year, there was uh, auto subsidies for passenger cars, and we did see that uh, the sales pick up uh, significantly. But I think right now, the market will be also focusing on the real estate home sales. Uh, it has been still in a contractory state, um, given uh, what the happening to the real estate sector. We do believe that um, this is likely to stay in a negative, negative territory, i.e. a contracting mode uh, right now, uh, given Buy, home buyer sentiment need to be restored. But on the monetary side, we've seen uh, year to day cumulated 35 basis point cut in the five year loan prime rate, uh, which is a benchmark to the mortgage rate. Mm -hmm. um, we do see that uh, this will probably just marginally uh, give a lift, but that's uh, definitely something needs to be done more. And I think that what, the decision to buy a house is a little bit bigger than the decision to buy a car. As Louisa, I'm sure, agrees. She's already nodding her head. <laughs> and um, so I think it's this, this housing sentiment 
stuff basically anywhere in the world that that is going to keep depressing the market next of course to the to the mess of the banks anyway and we we saw um, data yesterday that showed that on the mainland people are starting to pay off their mortgages which is presumably actually not what the pboc and the banks want to see I think they're just scared. They, they're, they're battening down the hatches because they know it's going to get worse, not better in China, I'm afraid. That's, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Presumably it's not a good sign for confidence, is it, in, no, the, absolutely. in the home buyer's markets or absolutely. on the mainland? Okay. Thank you both very much. Have a great uh, weekend weekend coming up. That's India Von Fall, Wealth Investment Strategist, and Louisa Fock, who is China Equity Strategist at the Bank of Singapore. <laughs> You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Times 8.23 on the phone now is Shi Wing Ching, the founder and chief executive at Centerline Group. Good morning, Mr. Shi. Good morning. Um, let me ask you about uh, the impact of interest rates here in Hong Kong on the property market. We're seeing um, still elevated inflation data in the US and Europe. So it looks like the Fed is going to raise rates once again next week by at least 75 basis points. Some people are talking about maybe a 1% um, increase. And we've got interest rates here in Hong Kong now uh, at multi-year highs, the high bore. Uh, at a 29-month high, uh, one-month high ball, which is obviously linked to mortgages. What sort of impact are you anticipating that this is going to have on the property market here? Um, The upward trend of the interest rate movement is now very clear. Uh, It will have a direct impact on the repayment ability of the purchaser in the property market Uh, because we have the... Hong Kong dollar take with the American dollar. If the Fed raise the interest rate, we have no choice but to follow. So uh, the, per- the affordability of the purchaser uh, will be uh, damaged uh, when the interest rate uh, goes up. Uh, so uh, I'm afraid the market is going to have a big correction in the coming uh, times. Since the market has been booming for a very long time, since the uh, financial tsunami in 2008, it has already already been more than 10 years. Uh, When you have a long bull market, it will follow with a long bear market. So... Uh, I'm relatively pessimistic about the future. So when you say a big correction, what sort of size of correction are you thinking of? (laughs) Uh, It's very difficult to say. Uh, I think uh, it depends on how the government is going to react. Uh, At this moment, I think the correction... Uh, will be uh, more than 15% at least. 15%? Over, over what sort of period? Over the next, what, six months or so, mm-hmm. or year? Uh, uh, over the next year. Okay, so 15% over over the next year. I mean, you, you call it a bear market. I've heard some people call it even a depression in the property market. How, how bad do you see it? Um, uh, because uh, it, it is not only the interest rate uh, that is 
uh, affecting the market. Uh, America has chose to decouple with China, and the whole Western world is not friendly with China. Uh, so it will be difficult for Hong Kong to play its low as a middleman between the West and China. Uh, the economy in Hong Kong will face a big problem. Some people said that we can find our role in the Belt and Road new strategy of China. But this is something uh, Hong Kong business people are not very familiar with. Uh, we only know how to do our own business. We don't know how to support the country. That is the problem. So you said the size of the bear market partly depends upon the government. What What do you yes. think the government should do? Uh, I think the government sh- shall understand the uh, market has changed uh, because a lot of policy in the past are trying to block the capital entering into the market. We have very high uh, stamp duty. Uh, so uh, not only the speculator are uh, uh, not allowed to go into the market, but even uh, investor, especially the foreign investor, uh, are brought from the market. Mm. Uh, but uh, this is necessarily uh, when the market is booming and the government do not like to see the price to goes up. But sometimes uh, when the market enters into depression, uh, even the users are not willing to enter into the market. So uh, in this kind of situation, uh, you need... Uh, uh, even the speculative capital to enter into the market so the correction will not be so radical. So I think it is time for the government uh, to withdraw those high stamp duty. And, and presumably the other uh, restrictions as well on, on uh, mm. to, to try and smooth out the, uh, the yes. price rises. Do you think the government also needs to look at uh, the fact that, you know, we've had a bit of a brain drain here in Hong Kong. People are emigrating mm. in record numbers. Is is that also uh, putting downward pressure on the property market? Of course. Uh, actually, uh, quite a lot of people, especially young people, are leaving Hong Kong. But uh, it's not easy to avoid. Uh, whenever there is a big change in the political system, uh, there is always some people cannot uh, adapt the new uh, system and need to leave. Uh, the only way to do is to open our doors so that those willing to come can come more freely. And do, do you think then that um, 
if we can attract back some of that talent to Hong Kong or find new talent to, uh, to, to come to Hong Kong, is that going to be enough to maybe stabilize the property, uh, the property market here? Um, if we allow more people to come to Hong Kong, uh, at least uh, the rental market will improve uh, quickly. Mm. When the rental yield increase, then we can attract uh, more capital. It's not the time uh, for we uh, to try to push up the price. Uh, the price is still very high, so it's good to have a correction. But if the demand increase, uh, the rental market will recover earlier than the capital market. Okay, Mr. Xi, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining the program this morning. You're welcome. That's Xi Wing-Ching, the founder and chief executive at Centerline Group. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final look at the markets for this morning in Australia. The SX200 up a quarter of a percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is flat. The Cosby in South Korea also flat. And it also looks like it's going to be a flat opening for the Hang Seng in just under one hour's time. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock with more Money Talk. Back chats coming up after the news with Janice Wong and Jenny Lamb this morning. The weather forecast, fine and dry, very hot during the day. Maximum temperature of about 35 degrees. It's going to stay hot in the next few days and be mainly fine and dry. The very hot weather warning is in force, as is the red fire danger warning. 30 degrees right now, 49% relative humidity. 8.31, here's Todd Harding with the half-hour news. The World Health Organization says a dramatic drop in the number of new COVID cases means there has never been a better time to end the pandemic. The WHO chief, Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, said new cases were now at their lowest since March 2020, when the organization declared the outbreak an international emergency. He said failure to seize the opportunity would lead to more variants and more deaths. Last week, the number of weekly reported deaths from COVID-19 was the law since March 2020. We have never been in a better position to end the pandemic. We're not there yet, but the end is in sight. The Macau government says it's received seven bids for its six casino licenses, besides the six current operators, GMM Limited, linked to the Malaysian tourism and gambling conglomerate Gunting Group, has submitted a bid. The bid opening process will begin tomorrow and the new contracts are set to start next year. President Xi Jinping is in Uzbekistan on the latest leg of his overseas visit, where he'll attend the Shanghai Cooperation Organization Summit and meet his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin, to discuss the war in Ukraine and other international and regional topics. President Xi was in Kazakhstan for a state visit yesterday and hailed strong ties between China and the Kazakhs, saying the countries had established a permanent comprehensive strategic partnership to the benefit of both peoples. Thousands of people have been slowly filing past the coffin of the late Queen Elizabeth. The Queen's coffin, draped in the royal standard on which her crown, orb and scepter are placed, is lying in the vast medieval Westminster Hall, the oldest part of the Houses of Parliament. The BBC's Laura Trant witnessed her short journey there. The band's 
of the Scots Guards and the Grenadier Guards played a series of marches as the procession got underway. A horse-drawn gun carriage took Queen Elizabeth on her final journey from her London home of Buckingham Palace. Following it were King Charles and his sons, along with the late Queen's other three children, who walked behind the coffin to Westminster Hall. There she will lie in state until her funeral at Westminster Abbey on Monday. Many thousands of mourners lined the streets in a sombre mood, occasionally punctuated by ripples of applause, the sound of gun salutes and the toll of Big Ben. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and our guest presenter is Jenny Lam. On today's program, we will look at challenges posed by a growing shortage of teachers here. The Hong Kong Association of the Heads of